What up artists? My name is Dwayne Jones. I'm the creative director and founder of a lifestyle brand called Art Pays Me. This is the Art Pays Me podcast and I'm passionate about finding ways that people like you and me can make a living for ourselves off of our creativity and you know maybe we can make the world a better place at the same time. Let's get into it. Welcome to Art Pays Me. Today we have Dylan Edwards. So, uh, Dylan, tell us what you do. Well, I do all kinds of things. Uh, for money, I, uh, I work at a, an animation company in downtown Halifax called Copernicus Studios. Uh, and what I do for them is I'm, I'm their head of development, um, which sounds impressive. And it, it is impressive in a way, but it's not like, you know, I've got a corner office and like... <laughs> huge desk and stuff. Um, but yeah, so Copernicus is, uh, they're an animation company. They do 2d animation. Um, so we make, we make cartoons for most of our clients are in LA. Uh, we make, if you watch cartoons and you've seen, you've probably seen, uh, Teen Titans go that that's one of the big jobs that they do. And, and we've been making that since season one and now it's up to season seven. And I worked on the feature as well, if you see that. So there's a lot of our work that's there. And um, that's, I just, I usually, when I'm explaining what the company does, I lead with that because it's the most visible thing that we do. But we're working on Curious George. We worked on, uh, we've worked on a bunch of things. Uh, some, some things for adults, um, some for kids, some preschool. Uh, so we've got clients like Disney and Netflix, Universal. Right. Uh, Nickelodeon, a bunch. Um, yeah. So that, that's, and, that, and they, they uh, give me a paycheck to do development. <laughs> so that's like, that's crazy. How does, how does like a company like yours end up connecting with these major brands? Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, it was, it was a strategy from the get go. Uh, the company's about 17 years old. I've been with them for about, you know, nine, nine years now. So, mm-hmm. There's a whole the beginning of the company I wasn't there for, uh, but it's owned by these four guys that started it and they're still running it. Um, and early on, they got some advice saying that you know because they, they just they they knew how to do animation and they they got along well and they they decided you know let's let's have a go of it let's see if we can make animation for TV and this was back yeah like 17 years ago most animation like for TV was being done overseas so. They figured they were part of that that whole kind of revolution, kind of digital revolution that happened back then when they started using computers to do television production animation. So they were part of a whole wave. And there was a bunch of other companies that kind of figured this out at the same time. So they're one of those. Um, but early on, they got some advice saying, you know, you got to export. You got to, if you want to make a go of this and have your company grow, you have to get, you have to be in LA. You have to meet the people that, you know, the, you know, the gatekeepers, you got to meet the people with the money. So they, they put some resources early on into going to international events. Um, so there's, there's a big one that was in New York when they started, they've moved it to Miami. It's called kid screen. Uh, and that's based, there's a kid screen magazine, which covers everything to do with kids media. Um, and they do this, this big trade show. And I've gone since I've been 
been in this position. I've gone there a few times and it's, yeah, it's huge. It's, um, and every, and, they, and every major company, they send a rep there. Mm. So you'll meet with people from Disney and, and Netflix and, you know, everyone and that people from all over the world too. So Crazy. there's, there's a whole Chinese delegation and Korean and French and, you know, a lot of Caribbean. There's, there's tons. It's, it's all over the place. Uh, and everyone's trying to make shows, you know, um, and there's a few of those events around the world. There's a few in, in France and that's, and not only that, and, and they also, I think the other, the other way when I'm thinking about how they connected with, um, with these LA places is it's, you know, it's, you hear it a lot. It comes down to networking, right? Like mm. you treat people, right. Uh, you make good relationships, they move on because animation and, and film, it's like a gig kind of, kind of uh, situation, right? Like you're, you're working on something intensely for six months, a year. Yeah. And then, and then it's over and they go their separate ways. So during that time, you know, if they like you and you like them and you stay in touch, they remember you. Right. So right. early on, there's some people they worked with that went, went to LA and then, and said, oh, you guys are working on this? Well, I know this great shop at East. You know, you should give them a call. And, you know, so there's been a lot of that. Like, yeah, you just, and yeah, and, and that was a lesson I learned early on is just be be cool to everybody. Because mm. um, just because it's the right thing to do, but <laughs> also because as a business strategy, you know, someone may be, maybe they're getting on your nerves. Maybe yeah. they're a little too much in your face. Maybe they're kind of boring or whatever. But if you just tell yourself, no, you know, just, you know, don't be like that. Don't go there. Yeah. Uh, you never know. Because that person suddenly, not suddenly, you know, years later, maybe they're working someplace and, and, uh, and they're like, yeah, do you know anyone that can do this? And they give you a call sometimes it works out. So, so, so like, are you, um, well, I actually, I'll step it back a bit. How yeah. has the um, quarantine been for the business? As, as I see, like, animation is probably getting a bump, I would assume, in this climate. Yeah. Yeah. There's, well, there's a lot of talk about that. And, yeah. And, well, in, in terms of, the like, we get contracts, essentially. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we haven't really missed a beat with those. We're, all, we're still making all our deliveries um, because – you know, even when things were quote unquote normal, um, it's a solitary thing. We would just do it together. You know, so yeah. we had a studio, rows of computers, and everyone's got their headphones on and they're just doing their thing, right? Yeah. So in terms of getting the work done, it's not that different to do that at home. Um, there was a bit of a wrinkle um, just because, you know, when we're doing work for a company like Netflix or Disney or something, they've they, they, they put in place, they want to be assured of security, basically. So there's certain standards you have to do to your space that you're working in uh, and your computer network, the way it's set up, because they don't want their stuff to get pirated, right? Like you're not working yeah. on your own property, you're working on their show. Yep. Um, so we had to say, as and as it looked like this COVID thing was getting serious, we kind of reached out and say, hey, you know what? We're just preparing a plan for getting everyone to work at home. It's going to 
it's going to need an adjustment to this agreement. And they were totally cool with it. So basically after about a week, we had everyone working from home and, and it's going great. So, and then, yeah, like the other thing you're saying is the, um, well, all the live action stuff is shut down, right? Like you Mm -hmm. can't for health and safety, you can't have all these people working in close quarters anymore. So, but animation is, is going. So yeah, there's a lot of, a lot more demand for animation because people still want to work. You know, all these companies, they've still, the networks, they've still got airtime to fill. They still need more content. So, yeah. Yeah. Crazy. (laughs) Uh, So were you actually self-taught or did you go to school for animation? Yeah. Originally I was self-taught. And then at a certain point I went back and, and retrained. But yeah, when I was a kid with my dad, we used to, he had a Super 8 camera. Mm. I don't know if you know much about film. A little bit. (laughs) Real film. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So there was this format of film called Super 8 because it was eight millimeters, really tiny. Uh, And a lot of home movies were on Super 8 film. And he, when he was a teenager, he he did stop motion stuff for like special effects. He'd make friends, sort of sci-fi films with his buddies and, shoot miniatures and things like that so when i was a kid he just carried that on with me it was a thing we would do together and we did like terry gilliam style animation where we'd use like paper cutouts and have the camera on a tripod and kind of uh and then i just kept going with that when i was a teenager i I made films uh, with um with plasticine and things like that yeah and it was and then, yeah, and then when I got older, I just sort of, it was like a thing I knew how to do. But, uh, and I experimented a little bit with digital cameras when they came along. Um, but I didn't really think much of it. It wasn't really my, didn't want, what I went into when I went to college. I, I took theater mm. and um, did a bunch of things. I worked with, actually later, I, again, I worked with my dad as a graphic designer. Uh, cool. I worked at the library, so my career was all over the place, but it wasn't really animation until around the year, around 2000. One of my friends from college, who was into, he went to theater, but he studied lighting, and and he was more into, like, the camera side of it. Because a lot of people, they would go to Dal Theater and take lighting because they wanted it as a way to get into, into film, basically. Because ah. you're learning, it's the same gear, right? So you're learning lighting and sound and stuff like that. So he did that, and he ended up being a, a camera lights guy on um, this stop-motion production. Uh, there was a, an outfit in Toronto called Cup of Coffee he was working at. And then Halifax Film, around then, they were setting up this big studio here in Halifax. And they and it was a stop-motion show called Poco, which maybe is still on CBC. I'm not sure. It was a while ago. I remember it back in the day, though. Yeah, kid <laughs> with blue hair and... Yeah. <laughs> and he had a magic finger. He'd draw things in the air and make them real. Yep. Um, yeah. And it was this, so they moved into what's now, what is now, yeah, the, the Nova Scotia power building down on the, the waterfront. But at the time they were using it as a, as a soundstage, uh, Halifax film. And so they put a whole studio in for stop motion. And just in case anyone doesn't know what stop motion is, it's, it's when you just, you have a camera set up and lights and you're shooting a miniature of some sort 
and you move it a little bit. It's not always a miniature. I should correct myself, but yeah, but you're moving things a little bit at a time and yep. taking a frame, one frame at a time. Um, and so they had, they were doing this show Poco and we had a whole puppets department and a whole props department and sets. And it's like, it was a whole huge production, but animators were hard to come by. Um, they scoured the country and they had like eight animators or nine animators. And, um, I think a couple of them maybe didn't work out or something. This is before I got there. But in any case, word went out that, hey, we need more animators. And my buddy called me up and said, you do this stuff, right? Why don't you try out? And at first I thought he was kidding. I'm like, yeah, right, sure. Yeah, like someone's doing that in in Halifax. They're doing a stop motion show, right? Um, And then it was like a couple months later, he was at my place for Christmas. He's like, so did you go try out? I'm like, you're kidding. <laughs> so I say, like, no, man, we really need animators and there's no one. So um so I went and tried out for it. And uh and yeah, I walk in that place and it just blew my mind, you know. Wow. Um there's this huge place full of cameras and there's lighting people going around and computers everywhere, and there's a director and whatever. It was like a real production. Um yeah. and I uh was you know a little bit kind of Bambi in the headlights a bit like eh, I hope I hope I can you know a bit of you know imposter syndrome sure um, but then the director he walked in when I was you know they put you in a booth and and here's a puppet and just do something just do some tests you know they just and that's how they're going to decide who gets the job right mm. and at one point the director popped his popped his head in and said so you want to work here I'm like yeah and he said well then just and he was, he was, I think, being a little sarcastic. But he said, just show your face here as much as possible. Just, uh. <laughs> But I took that to heart. So I went, and I forget what I was working at the time, part-time at the library, I think, or something. But I booked the week off, and I just went down there every day and uh, animated as much as I could. And then the producer later, she told me that she picked me because there was they're just going through the footage of all the people that were testing out. And I did something that just made her laugh. And I think I made, there's like these little characters out of wire yeah, and they're walking along. So I had one like step in dog crap. Like I made a little ball of plasticine and step in it and then go, oh, and then try and scrape it off his shoe and act like it was stinky and stuff. And it made her laugh. So then, yeah, she said, all right, hire that guy. <laughs> and that was my, that, yeah, that was my way into <laughs> the animation industry. And I was, yeah, like about 20 years ago. And, um, yeah, so then that was stop motion. So they did Poco and then Halifax film did Lunar Gym. And when I was at Halifax film, I don't know if this is getting too inside baseball, but, um, Halifax film got bought by another company, Alliance Atlantis. And they went through a bunch of transformations, eventually ending up becoming DHX. Mm-hmm. So I was there during all that DHX, as you may or may not know, is now, wild brain um yeah so they they did they did two stop motion series and then they switched the way they were making shows to cg so you know the shows they made after that were like uh bow on the go and um animal mechanicals um inspector gadget you know so they're that kind of you know it's kind of like pixar kind of animation it's 3d yep Uh, so when they made that switch i had i had no idea how to do that. <laughs> it's very technical. Mm-hmm. 
but while I was on Lunar Gym, I did, I did start writing. And again, I just sort of just kind of pushed my way into that. <laughs> like uh-huh. um, the script editor, who's kind of like the showrunner basically for animation. Uh, we both smoked at the time. So I'd end up, you know, out back smoking with him and chatting yeah. him up and stuff. And he, uh, and I found out, yeah, they're, they're out of running out of scripts, which is a huge problem on a production. Mm. I don't know if you talk to a lot of people working in TV. No. But um, yeah, you know, on a feature or a short film, you've got a script and you budget it and you, you figure out how you're going to get that script shot. And, you know, it's, it's tight. You know, you, you got your budget and your time and things have to go smoothly. And then TV is like that, like times 50, right? Mm. <laughs> you're doing yeah. 50 shorts, you know, basically. And, and the money for the production, it all it all gets released at once, right? So, I mean, you'd think, because with a feature, you write up a script and then you start shopping it around and trying to find the money for it, right? Yeah. Uh, but with a TV series, you don't have those 52 scripts written. Like, that's a lot of work. Um, um, so you got to pay those writers to do that. So usually when you're trying to get that show going, you have like a couple of scripts and you have some test footage and, you know, you're showing that to like, say, CBC. And when they're like, yeah, okay, let's make this show. It's more complicated than that, but basically piece together the financing. But then it all comes at once. So what I'm getting at is that the, the production was getting light on scripts. It was like, oh, yeah. crap, we're going to run out of scripts and we're paying all these people. They're going to have nothing to do. Yeah. So I was like, hey, man, I can write. I can do right. that. Give me a shot. And he was like, what have you written? I'm like, oh, I went to theater school. I wrote some plays. I was like, eh. But then... um they got desperate enough to give me a, a shot. So I ended up <laughs> writing a few scripts for them. Um, so then I rolled that into when they were doing the, the CG stuff. I'm like, well, I don't know how to animate this, you know, with computers like that. But <clears throat> so then I ended up writing a few scripts, you know, that way. I was okay. But like the scripts themselves are good money, but there's just, like Halifax is it's not that big for TV. Like if I want to make a living as a writer, I realized I'd have to move to Toronto or, or Vancouver mm-hmm. just because if there's just one, it's like at the time there's just, yeah, the one place. So, you know, unless I was getting a ton of scripts from them, there's no, right. I mean, I had a family and a mortgage and stuff. So I'm like, yeah, this isn't working. So, <laughs> so I, that's when I had to decide to go back to school and retrain. Mm-hmm. Um, I should probably let you get a question in now and then. <laughs> no, no, that's cool. This is this is yeah. great. Yeah. Well, when I went back, to, I went to um, at the time it was uh, Center for Arts and Technology. Yeah. It became Da Vinci College, and yeah, I just went in for their animation program and learned the 3D animation. So I was learning all that stuff, and I didn't end up going into 3D animation. Like they, there's a whole bunch of courses there, and like I was sort of a you know a mature student. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of them were kids right out of high school and stuff. Um, but I, you know, I think I was 35, 40. I don't know. What was it? 10 years ago? I've been 40. I'm 50 mm. now, by the way. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but yeah, uh, so there was a course in storyboarding. Yeah. Which I was great at, if I do say so myself. Because I've always drawn and I do comics and things like that. And the, the teacher of it, the, the guy that was running it, he was actually directing a show at Copernicus. Okay. And so 
he's like, yeah, I need, I need some born artists and you're great. Can I hire you? I'm like, yes. So I ended up starting before I finished the program and then I ended up, did I finish it? Yeah, I did. <laughs> That's the thing about trade school, you know, like you go and it's about getting a job. You know, uh-huh. like a certificate's great and, you know, finishing something and achieving it. That's all, you know, celebrating it. That's all awesome. But really the goal is to get a job, mm-hmm. you know? So, and a lot of people, they get hired as, it happened at Dow too, actually. People are in the lighting program and they like, they, they'll start working and they won't finish their degree because, you know, they don't care that they're going to get a job. So yeah, once your career starts, then you're off and running. But, um, but yeah, that's how I got got in at Copernicus was I started, I was doing storyboards for a show called wild grinders. <laughs> it's about skateboarders. Okay. Um, and that's, that's when I yeah, connected with those guys. And then that relationship grew over time. Um, I worked for them off and on at the beginning and then, yeah, it's been, I've been so since, since they made this position head of development, I've been there for solidly for five years full time. So what is exactly development? Is that like kind of a blend of the storyboarding and the writing and kind of all of that stuff together? Oh, yeah. Yeah. What is development? That's, that's a big loaded question because <laughs> I mean, well, every industry they've got development, right? You know, if you go talk to someone in whatever forestry or baking or banking or whatever, they're going to have development. And it's essentially like, figuring out new projects or new ways to make money or new businesses. You know, in, in my case with animation, I'm developing IP, uh, mm. intellectual property. Yep. There's a lot of, there's a lot of language around what I do that I find distasteful, but it's just, it's the water we swim in, yeah. you know, you just kind of have to go with it. You know, talking about your brand or, you know, it's your target demographic and, and IP and content and all those words. Yeah. Uh, essentially, you know, I to keep myself grounded. You know, I make cartoons. You know, we <laughs> tell stories. Uh, that's you know, there's characters. That's I mean, that's what gives me joy, and that's what I focus on. But you know, reality. You know, when when you get into it, you know, how do how do you, does a show get started? You know, how do these projects get going? You have to talk that language, right? Yeah, for sure. Because you're talking to money people. Yeah. You know, I come I come from this theater background, and and Theater is this collaborative ensemble thing. You know, everyone from, you know, the props person, you know, and the guy that sweeps the floor up to the director, they're all in that building and they're all focused when it's showtime. You know, everyone's there to make sure that show goes smoothly, right? Mm-hmm. And everyone understands it's about the script and all that. And that's great. And I love that. But with TV, it's definitely, you know, there's those people and they're over here and then then there's the money people and i'm not i'm not saying they're bad but it's different you know Mm -hmm. and that's a big part of what i've been learning in in the five years in this job is figuring out how that works how do you unlock those doors and and get to those levers to unlock that money um yeah and get get a production funded you know like like a show like like Teen Titans Go. I don't know exactly what the budget is because I'm mm-hmm. not in that, but it's millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You know, at a television, like a typical, like an animated series, they basically go in like 52 episode blocks. That's what they, they buy, right? So to get that going, you put together a plan, like a schedule of, okay, it's going to take us 18 months 
we're going to have, you know, 60 people. Here's what their, all their jobs are. Yeah. Here's what they get paid. You submit that to, to, you know, the, the broadcaster. And often when, and they, and they do what's called commissioning it, right? So they commission it, they pay for making it. And then who owns it when it's done and all of that, there's like a whole variety of ways you can cut that pie. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once that, once you have your funding in place, then that's what's called the green light, right? So your, your show's green lit. And then that means, okay, we're going to, we're good to go. We're going to start spending this money. Mm-hmm. And then um, you got to deliver it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so development, essentially what my, my, what I've been pursuing is to try and get an original show going right. with Copernicus. Because Copernicus, all of their work is, is uh is service work right so we're working we're making shows for disney or for yep. warner brothers or for these other people they don't own those shows which is um you know i think we have to clarify a lot when we're like yeah where do the studio that makes teen titans go and they're like oh and they start pitching us ideas for episodes we're like, no, we don't <laughs> make <not> it <laughs> yeah. we don't own it yeah. <laughs> you know it's cool like we love working on it and we you know put a lot into it and we try and make it awesome yeah uh, and there's a lot of us in that show Mm-hmm. but we're you know we're the the trades people kind of yeah not, we're not coming up with it so that's my focus is i've been listening to like people have been pitching me ideas for shows uh, i've been listening to the guys that own the place so like i'd like to make a show like this or like that so and i'll end up putting together proposals for different new ideas either for series or movies and things and then going to places like kid screen and, and other things and pitching these projects to uh to people in the industry and trying to trying to get things going hmm. so the whole business side of it is is that's been the learning curve i've been in yeah and it's um there's no there's no hard and fast rules about how that works you know it's, it's yeah. business in its purest sense you know like when i think about you know what what are the rules of it and I think about what, what it's the most like, I think it's most like poker, you know, like, <laughs> you know, there's rules to poker, but the rules are like this much. They're just a fraction of what the whole thing is. Sure. It's a lot more about reading other people and getting the feel of the room and knowing when you have a good hand and how good it is, and, you know, mm-hmm. knowing when to fake your way through stuff and yeah, all that. Right. <laughs> Which yeah. you must know like you with your art pays me is you get the, whole business aspect of it well that's what i was actually going to dig into because i love this this ip conversation i i started to to realize that you know and i I, that the the whole language around this stuff i don't actually love myself either yeah but the you know i started to understand the path to wealth which I hate that too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, for for artists or creative types of in general is intellectual property in a lot of yeah. ways because yeah. um, you even see it in the music industry. A lot of folks uh, get record deals by giving away their intellectual property, and then yeah. the record label uses that property to generate even more money, and then mm-hmm. they just dish out pennies to the artists while oh, they God, continue yeah. to grow. So. Uh, I started Art Pays Me with the concept. I mean, I'm a graphic designer by trade. So same mm. thing. I might work on something big for a company, but I don't own it. I'm just doing the service work. 
art pays yeah. me was like my intellectual property, my thing that I could, you know, when it grows, I grow type of thing. So it's like finding that right balance of, you know, something that actually belongs to me, but also mixing in that those service work things to keep, yeah. to, to keep me going, keep me sustained. And I noticed you have your own intellectual property, The Last Human. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, I, yeah, that's the thing I started working on because, and I've been doing it for about two years now, because uh, I'm in the thick of this development thing. And yeah. it's cool and all. Like, I'm flying to France and Miami and meeting people. And it's a whole lot of talking about things, you know, trying to explain creative ideas to money people. Um, and at a certain point, I don't want to say, I, mean, I love my job. I don't want to say that, you know, it got me down or anything, but I was starting to feel like I needed, I needed a way to just, you know, just, you know, be in the joy of creation without, yep. without compromising it. Compromising is the wrong word without, without having to wait my turn, you know, wait to speak, ask the right questions, frame it the right way, yeah. put it in this whole conversation about, you know, the content and the, the marketing and all. Anyway, so web comics is a great outlet for that. You know, mm. like it's, it's this no holds barred, anything goes world out there where, yeah, you don't have a publisher or, you know, or any, or a money person or a director or a producer telling you, oh, you know what, do it like this, do it like that. No, we're looking for this, we're looking for that. It's just whatever you want, you can just do. And if you read webcomics, yeah, there's there's all kinds, you know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, I started, and it was, so The Last Human was an idea that I had come up with originally as a show. Mm -hmm. And then once I started digging into it, it just it got momentum in my head, I guess. My, my writer's brain just kind of, I didn't know I had a writer's brain really until... I got into it. And I guess I didn't know that, but it just got engaged, you know, the characters mm -hmm. and stuff, the way they started taking on a life of their own in my head. And I'm like, I gotta, I gotta write this down. And so, so now, yeah, I, I, I kind of, I've worked it into my, my routine. It's a good way to level me out and ground me as I'll, I'll do it. I'll do at least one frame of this comic per day. So mm -hmm. I'll, if I get up early and the house is quiet and I'll do my one drawing, or maybe I'll do it at the end of the day. Uh, so that I can update it each week. So each week there's a new update on the site of, you know, another page of the comic, basically. Right. And I'm doing it purely just because I like it. If it, and yeah, it happens to be my IP. And yeah. if someone makes me an offer, I'll, you know, have that conversation. But I'm not thinking that way at all when I'm working mm -hmm. on it. It's a sci-fi thing. It's like a Star Wars. It's like a, like a space opera. It's got aliens and robots and mm -hmm. spaceships and, yeah, so I can just not worry about who is it for, who's yeah. the audience for this, you know. If people like it, then great, and I would love people to like it because I like it. But it's very liberating to just just leave all that business brain at the door and just draw cool robots yeah. and fights, you know. <laughs> no, for real. I think that that's important. Art pays me started out that way, then it actually yeah. became a real business. But yeah. <laughs> But still, like I find myself creating other side projects just so I can keep that, take that pressure off of away from a specific customer and a specific. Yeah. Oh, brand. I love that painting you did. Actually, the uh, oh. I wish I was a real person. 
Yes, thank you. Thank you. Yeah, you did those those progress images you were updating on on uh, Instagram. I was following along, like, wow, where is he going with this? And then it was, uh, yeah, it was really, uh, it's really good piece. Thank you. And it was one of those things too. And but then my business brain kicks in, and <laughs> I made a T-shirt out of it too. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's good just to have have your different hats, right? You know what I mean, like. Yeah. You have your artist hat on and you're not thinking about business and you're yeah. just making a good piece of art. And then, all right, that art's done now. Put on your business hat. Oh, hang on. I could <laughs> do something, something with this. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's kind of the way I hope to go in general. Like, I just want to be free to create. And if it turns out to be something that I could possibly add to the business, maybe I've added, maybe I don't. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting thing i mean you hear these stories about like people who blew up in in some way because of their intellectual property yeah but uh i find trying to force it it just you can't necessarily make it happen it kind of yeah. just happens organically well so and, you, and the risk is it, it sucks the joy out of it for you right yeah if the joy is gone then then no ironically you're gonna you're not gonna create anything of any value you know right exactly like you you can kind of feel it when someone just authentically is living this or and enjoying it so and with you with the last human is it uh the writing that you enjoy more or the image creation Mm, it's a good question um because my writing process like i've got the whole thing written down Okay. Um, but not, and it's not like, it's not a manuscript. Like I couldn't okay. hand it over to like a publisher cause it's just, it's nonsense right now. It's just notes. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'll be doing something else. I'll be in the middle of dinner. I'll go, Oh crap. That's a great idea. You know, and right. <laughs> get out the phone and jot it down and then add it to my big master document just because, you know, I feel when people are like, I've, when people write, I, I feel like, I don't know if you've done a whole lot of writing yourself, but with fiction anyways, you come up with a character Mm -hmm. and you think about what they're like. And at a certain point you've thought about them enough that they become a separate kind of person in your head. Yeah. Yeah. And then they do things that, you know, obviously it's all you, it's in your head, but it's like a piece of your subconscious is now carrying on without you. Mm -hmm. And so every now and then they'll do things that are surprising or really interesting or entertaining in some way. Um, and yeah, I think because I was working on this originally as like a, a show and I was really put my whole effort into trying to bring it to life, enough of that energy went into it that when I stopped thinking about it as a TV thing and went on, they came back and they're like, hey, you know, by the way, we got to defeat the robot empire here. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, okay, hang on. What did you say? And they write it down. Yeah. Um, but there's a process where when I'm, I do the art and I'll draw them because I've got my notes and I know, okay, what this scene is going to be like the space pirates are boarding a ship and they're fighting other robots or something. And I'll kind of know what character things I want to have there. Like this guy's getting scared. And then this other one is like, Hey, it's going to be okay. Whatever the emotional content of that scene is, but I don't know exactly what the dialogue is yet or anything. So I'll do some sketches until I come up with a drawing I like. And then, I basically I work in pencil on a sketchbook and then I'll photograph it with my camera 
and then email it to myself and bring it into Photoshop and finish it. Right. Mm -hmm. Which is, I don't know if everyone works that way. I've talked to other people about, about that when they're trying to work on their own stuff. And I'm like, it's a, a big part of it is making sure you come up with tools, like and a method that fits in your life, you know? Yeah. Like, okay, you may have this idealized way about, like, if I'm going to do a comic, I'm going to have a studio and a, and a board, and I want these kind of paintbrushes and this and this. And, and okay, and if, if your life is set up that way, that you have those resources and that time, then great. But at the time I started this comic, I was traveling a lot. And um, so I knew I could just sit with, with a sketchbook and draw a few frames. And then I'd have my laptop with me so I could work on it while I was anywhere, right? Yeah. Uh, and it's turned into now that I'm not traveling so much, you know, with COVID and whatever. <laughs> it's it's just a method that works for me. Like I can easily get into it and out of it if I'm like, oh, I got I got an hour. I can yeah. I can knock out some drawings, right? Yeah. Um, and because I've managed to fit it into my life, I've managed to, you know, for a year, two years now, continually, you know, put up enough of it out. But um, to answer your question about what part do I like the most? I see it all as one thing. Like when when I think about the story, it's in my head. I can visualize it like a visual person. I don't really hear the voices until I'm I've got the art done, and then I'm putting in the word balloons. And then I'm like, okay, and I'll have to think, put my head in their voices, and come up with some dialogue that's that's fun, yeah, or revealing the character. And the other thing about web comics, which is great, is that it's never I never have to like walk away from it, right? Like I've gone back to something maybe I did a few months ago and got, eh, hang on. And I'll take that frame out and change the dialogue or something or add a few frames and put it back in. It's yeah. sort of like a living document yeah. so I can edit it on the fly, which is, which is cool. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't think I've, of it that way. Yeah. Well, I mean, I've tried writing novels before. Like I've had ideas for just like a book. Yeah. And I've come to the realization that I'm, that's just not me. I just made, my brain doesn't work that way. Like mm -hmm. I always drew comics when I was a kid. Yeah. Even yeah, you know, like I made those films with my dad and stuff, but really that's all I did in high school. I didn't listen to anybody. I sat at the back of the room <laughs> and just <laughs> filled up my notebooks with just comics about whatever superheroes and yeah. spaceships and whatever. And yeah. And then that, that's why I ended up, I think doing, um, being pretty good at storyboarding was because I put in those 10,000 hours of time to get good at something. Yeah. Uh, and I, I don't know math, but I know, <laughs> I know how to draw comics. Yeah. So <laughs> uh, my, uh, actually my daughter is, so she started out doing a lot of comic books or comics, yeah. I should say. And, uh, then she got an iPod she discovered she could illustrate she illustrates oh, yeah. everything on her ipod it's yeah. like a tiny little screen it's it's crazy to me yeah. uh and then she found these apps that allow her to animate them so it's like and now she's like incorporating the stories that she had before into these oh, that's like, great little ipod illustrations yeah and uh it's uh it's it's funny to me how it works and uh I got to know this is making me want to sit down and talk to her about it because I yeah. don't know how it works for her with the storytelling versus the, the image making. Yeah. But I just know she just seems to have this 
this call to just do it. Like she just sits in her room for sometimes and just, just animating. Like, what are you doing? I'm making yeah. animation. Yeah. yeah I, I, I mean, I enjoy drawing. Like I find it meditative. Like it, it grounds me when I draw. So, yeah. I mean, even if I'm, I'll, I'll do, I'll practice life drawing. I should do more. Um, yeah. But like life drawing, like being whatever people or plants or yeah. the dog or whatever furniture, just drawing something from life. I think of it like almost like push-ups, you know, it's, it's just yes. like you're just doing maintenance. It just keeps your brain sharp because drawing is, is seeing, right? Yep. But when, when I'm drawing anything, not life drawing, but when I'm drawing other stuff, mm-hmm. it's always storytelling for me. Like I can't oh, just sure. draw a character in a pose. I'm thinking about, well, who are they? What time is it? What are yep. they doing? What are they looking at? what's going on in their life and that so I'm drawing a little moment in time and it's, it's a story so yeah so and that I think that's why the dialogue comes second right like I'll draw it and then I can see it and then I'm I'll kind of in my head scrub back and forth through it until I can hear what they're saying yes <laughs> if, that, if that makes any sense no that does make sense yeah 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 I I used to, so I dabbled in comics in high school and it was a yeah. sort of similar thing I, I just for me, it was definitely the drawing first. It was like, but every character I drew, like they were a fully formed individual. I had the same yeah. characters that I would always draw. They yeah. had personalities. And so when they were in a situation, a scenario in my head, like it was a whole thing that had happened for them to be standing there in that spot. Yeah. I think, I mean, it, I guess it translates to my painting today because I wrote a big ass paragraph about that painting (laughs) because it's like everything um yeah everything to in in my mind i mean it just seems like it has to have that uh that background story to it yeah Uh, well to me storytelling is is everything um like every i think business is storytelling you know like you go into a meeting and i have to know well what character am i going to be this Mm -hmm. person you know i want to i want to get this to happen right yeah. When I get them to like this project or, you know, or, or this is a get to know you meeting, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a certain script or set of set of starting points for the improv, you know, yeah. <laughs> of this meeting. And so, yeah, I'll build a character. I don't have to be me, right? Mm-hmm. I can, I'm like, I'm a business guy, right? So I got my business hat on, but it's, it's storytelling, right? So, uh, hey, how are you doing? And there's a certain rhythm to it. You get into it. And yeah, everything, cooking, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> it's all everything in life to, to me, you know, it's storytelling first and foremost. Um, and that's how I make sense of life as I go through it. Hmm. Um, yeah. And I feel like, yeah, that's, that's, um, you think about, you know, industry, labor, you know, things happen, you know, what's human society is about and so much of it's getting automated Yes. changed with technology um but they i guess computers can write stories but you know yeah. i feel like yeah <laughs> <laughs> well it's the thing that people do that 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 nothing else can do is make things mean something right exactly. make things matter and that's what stories do you imbue a story into something and it matters you know like if you pay more for free range eggs it's because there's a story in that egg, right? It's like you're imagining this chicken is running around in a field and eating worms and having a good life. Yeah. They're being locked in a factory, just, you know, spitting eggs out onto a 
conveyor belt under a heat lamp, you know, like those are the two stories, right? Yeah, exactly. And one is like, I'll pay, I'll pay an extra dollar for these eggs because I like to feel good about the story here. You know? Yep. I know that chicken had a good life or yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. So tell me about the uh, animation festival of Halifax. AFX. We, I started that with Silouan. You, you met Silouan Daily. Yes, I, I did. Think. Yeah. Yeah. She and I started a festival. I think it was like 10 years ago, sort of. I don't remember exactly the timeline, how it lined up with the Atlantic Film Festival, but Atlantic Film Festival, they stopped doing these animated short programs, right? And mm. for me, that was the only reason I went, you know? Right. <laughs> I've expanded my mind a bit since then, but I would be like animated, you know, the film festival comes up, I just flip to what's, where's the animated shorts? That's what I wanted to go see. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you've ever been to like an animated shorts program, but it's, oh. it's like a whole box of chocolates right you sit down and there's one after another and they're all different styles of story different people's visions because you know animation is like that you can take something right out of someone's head and see it right right and so yeah you sit there for an hour two hours and you get to see you know 10 different little visions of the world right Mm. but then yeah there was a year where they didn't have that they still would show animation but it would be like a short they'd run ahead of a feature and stuff so Silouan and I were like, well, that sucks. Let's, let's do one. <laughs> and she's, I don't know. I'm, she's good at with, with the funding and the grant writing and stuff. And I suck at that. <laughs> uh, so, so she'd always handle that part of it, but I would come in and, and help her with, you know, programming it. So that first year we just reached out to friends that we knew that had made films. Yeah. Uh, as many, an emphasis on local people. Like if someone was local and they made a film, we have to come up with a pretty good reason to not show it. Basically, mm-hmm. like you really want to support local filmmakers, local yep. animators, and there's a whole philosophy behind that too. But um, but yeah, a lot of the films we showed that year for, were from all over. Um, we know people from all over, uh, and we called it Animation with Love at that point. We wanted to come up with a name, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, to and I think the name Animation with Love was really to try and bake into it this idea that yeah it's uh just make sure you had some heart you know that we're not we're not some big not commercial you know mm-hmm. we want films and also what we were looking for films specifically like when we did turn films down that applied we're looking for films that had you know an honest kind of heartfelt kind of thread in them right mm, okay uh you know, if it's a bit too clever or a bit too sarcastic or, or you know, too intellectual, maybe, then it was less appealing to us. Mm. And we're looking, you know, in terms of curation, we were throughout, you know, we, we did Animation with Love for, I think, six years, six, seven years. There's a couple of gaps there. But, yeah, basically looking for an honest, kind of heartfelt investment, emotional investment in, in the films. Yeah. Uh, and that was the through line that we kind of went for. And that's still there-ish. Well, at a certain point, um, there was a year or two where I wasn't involved in Cylinders running it on her own. And then Phil Stamp, who runs the animation studio downtown that was formerly DHX, is now, they've been reorganized. They're now at their own local new company called Island of Misfits. Okay. But I think at the time this started, it was still DHX. Anyways, he got involved and said, you know what, we should make this big. You know, let's get some, 
let's make this a real festival. Uh, and so Stallone reached out and said, hey, you gotta come and help, help me figure this out. So um, we put together this committee, um, which Phil was on that first year and reimagined what the festival could be. Because mm-hmm. um, I've been to, well, there's Annecy in, in France uh, and in Canada, we've got uh, the Ottawa International Animation Festival. It's a big deal. Okay. And these festivals, they'll also have a, like a business component. So there's, there's like a show that goes along with it. So again, you can go there and meet people from, from all these the big players and they'll be there to hear pitches and talk about making shows and, and watch new films and meet, you know, the hot new talent coming up and stuff. Yeah. And Halifax is not quite there, but as has been said a lot, you know, Halifax kind of punches above its weight a lot. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, we've got five, I think, animation studios in Halifax. So like the, the industry part of that is significant. So kind of, yeah, our five-year plan is to build up the business part of AFX to be something. So yeah, maybe we'll get execs coming for yeah. the week, you know, to stay and do some keynotes, you know, and hear some pitches and you know, just do, do some business networking. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we know we got to build up to that. Uh, <laughs> and then, yeah, COVID this year, it's kind of a gut punch. So we didn't, we didn't have any live events, but yeah. we've been trying to go with, keep it going with some, some online stuff. But yeah, so we build it, a, you know, like a weekend thing. So that first year, we, it's the, the whole Mother's Day weekend, basically. We came up with a few different events that would be at different venues. So we do that that screening of, that same screening that, that was originally uh, Animation with Love. It's now called Vegan Delights. Okay. But it's a curated collection of, of animated films that we, we sit down and we look through all the applications and kind of put together a program. But we'll, we'll usually, now we'll have a feature or two will come in. Because Silouan, her... Her other kind of day job is is Carbon Arc, which is the you know independent cinema. So she's plugged into that whole world of of you know, bringing in films and screenings and all that stuff. So so we kind of put all those, and then there's other people we brought in as well. Like it's a nice broad range of of voices and and expertise on the the committee there. And yeah, so making it into a weekend thing. Um, there's an event that I was my brainchild to my own horn here, but it, it was a really fun event called Saturday Morning Cartoons, yeah. uh, which basically it's a bit more of an industry kind of heavy thing. Like basically the idea is that we've got all these animation studios in town here doing world-class work, you know, yeah. cartoons that go on TV and no one knows about it. Right. And it's because animators are essentially people in headphones on computers you know yeah <laughs> like when a film comes to town it's like there's trucks and there's people and there's lights and they're like oh wow that What's stuff's that? going on so i thought well it's a great way to put a spotlight on the work that's done here so i just yeah. reached out to the other studios and said any cartoons you made for kids just get permission from your clients but you know we'll have a screening at the library so mm-hmm. we have like and you kind of packaged it like saturday morning cartoons which not really a thing anymore but those of us of a certain age maybe can remember saturday morning you, you get up and go downstairs and turn the tv on mom and dad are asleep and get your your fruit loops and oh yeah and watch cartoons on saturday right <laughs> and now it's whatever saturday every day 24 now, I guess. hour uh, cartoon channels at that point 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was a block on Saturday. Um, yeah. So we kind of, yeah, try to recapture that energy a bit with this event and we'd serve cereal and people were encouraged to come in their, in their, in their jammies and bring their stuffed animals or pillows or whatever. Yeah. And it, and it, yeah, it's a really fun family event and all the cartoons that we show, they're all on the big screen and they're all made in Halifax. So mm. it's a great way to kind of, uh, you know, showcase uh, a part of, you know, a, an export industry that's here in Halifax, you know, cool. Cause visibility is like a huge, a huge thing, you know, like if a lumber mill is going to close, it's like, there's a big, big stink about it. Cause it's like jobs and stuff. And, but if an animation studio closes, no one hears about it, yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. like it's, and it's cause you're not, I think those industries good on them. They, they do a good job of being in the public eye, you know? Mm-hmm. And I feel like when we had that film tax credit, crisis a while ago i think it was a bit of a wake-up call that you know you gotta be you gotta let the people see you so they can love you yeah exactly if 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 we can make the community and it's and it's uh it's a holistic thing as i see it i mean that that's a big part of afx for me is um is an animation community you know it's not about a trade organization or something which is fine and they do what they do, but I feel like a community is many parts, right? So you've got your filmmakers, you got your artists, you got your professionals and you got your audience and it forms an ecosystem, right? So a healthy community will, you know, create films that speak to that community and that community will then give feedback to the artists. You got fine artists who are got their process, you know, trying to find their voice and, and find the, an authentic way to express that and make people, you know, see things that maybe they didn't think of before. And then you've got professionals, you know, doing commercial art mm-hmm. for clients when it's more of a trade. And I think they all feed each other when it's healthy. Right. Yes. And that's, and that's to me, you know, that's, I try and bring that conversation into, into the AFX thing. And yeah, and we, we spend a lot of time thinking about what's our mission and what's our mandate. And, and it's a lot about that, about uh, the art and the, and the industry of animation mm-hmm. and finding ways to, you know, make it matter to people personally. So we try and do a lot, a lot of workshops, mm-hmm. a lot of uh, events for people to participate and learn from each other and talk to each other and just make those connections. Right. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, it didn't happen this year. Um, <laughs> unfortunately. Yeah. Um, but we did do a thing called a, an anagem, which is, uh, something we can do remotely where we just put out a call for people to send us uh, like a, an animated clip from I think maximum 30 seconds mm-hmm. and we're going to stitch them all together and make one big film. Uh, and usually with an anagem, there's some sort of rules or something so that, you know, you're going to get submissions that'll work well together. So yeah. with this one, basically your animated frame should start and end with just a white page with a black circle on it. Okay. So you start with that black circle on the page, transform it however you want. You know, maybe it opens and it's an eyeball or maybe you draw a face on it. Maybe the circle goes away and you have something totally different and then the circle comes back. Because that way at the front and end of each piece, you know, you're going to have a circle. So you can sort of line them up and then there'll be some continuity there. Right. And then we're going to put music under it. So we're, we're piecing that together now. So it should be fun. Cool. We'll share it once it's ready. All right. 
Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So if you were to give like one big piece of advice to someone pursuing a career in animation, what would that mm. be? Um, a, well, one, I, I, I guess one but piece of advice. If there's more than one. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got to love drawing. You have to, I think. Um, I guess it's not necessarily true if you're in 3D. I've never really worked on a 3D production, but there's a lot of work there. And then also a part of the conversation is there's video games too. Like there's a lot of animators that work at like Ubisoft. They've got a big studio downtown. Mm. So scratch that about drawing, but love what you do. Really, you have to love it like mm. a lot. You can't be like, Ugh, I got to turn on this computer. You know, like right. if you're not excited to get in there and do it, you're, it's going to be a grind and you're not going to do good work. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, find the joy in it and, and find a way realizing that, you know, if you're, if you're going to be an animator professionally, it's commercial art, right? Yeah. Like you're not, you're not doing it for you. You're doing it for a client, right? So there's someone that needs a product and they don't have the skills to, to do it. And mm -hmm. so they're basically, you're renting your skills to them. Yeah. So it's about, that's a good piece of advice. When I, I, I taught for a while at, um, at Da Vinci. And one of the things I would work on with my students was taking, taking critique. Because mm -hmm. I know, you know, if you're in high school and you like drawing and you're, you're artistic, then that's kind of what makes you special, right? And you're like, oh, you're the kid that draws, right? Yeah. And then that's Everybody how you get you. by. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, let's go, you know, she can draw, you know, really cool, you know, a picture of Sailor Moon or whatever, you know, it's yeah. a way that you get, you get cred with, with your students and where you stand out. And that's great. And that's high school. Cause when you go to now you're in a school where everyone is that kid, you know? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not special anymore. No, you got to push yourself to like, all right, now you got to get good, you know, mm -hmm. cause it's a whole industry of people that are always, and the people that I see that are really successful, they're constantly looking at other people that are above them and like, how yeah. do they do that? And trying to get better. Yeah. Um, and you're not going to get better if you can't take a critique, you know, mm -hmm. and especially in commercial art, right? Like, so you're working on a show, you're going to get notes yeah. from the director or your supervisor or whoever. And they're not always going to be nice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, ideally they are, people should, you know, be polite to each other at all times, but sometimes they're just not, you know, yeah. And, you know, it happens in any creative field, I think. For sure. You know, it happened in theater. You know, I'd be in rehearsals and the director would go off sometimes and it happens and you yep. just kind of roll with it. You know, it's it's the arts. You know, you got yeah. people, people have personalities. Um, yeah. But so, yeah, so that was, the, if someone wants to be good in animation, you got to know that, yeah, you, you got to take critique. So you put your heart and soul into it, make it as good as you can. And when it comes back going, eh, I just don't like it, make it better. You know, <laughs> it's your job to figure out what they mean. You know, yes. ideally they'd say, yeah, don't put their arm here, put their arm here and make the smile, you know, 50% bigger. And then, okay, great. But they don't necessarily know as the client how to ask that. Yeah. They're just like, ah, he doesn't look happy enough. Like, yeah. Make him look happier. And then you have to go, okay, what, what do they mean? <laughs> And put yeah. your ego down here, but you guys still have to keep your ego there, right? Because yeah. if you're not engaged, if you're not loving what you're doing and trying to show off a little bit, you know, mm -hmm. then it's not, you're not going to have any heart in what you're doing, right? Yeah. 
So I feel like that's the biggest challenge I saw with, with young people getting into it was letting go of that. Not even like you got to hang on to that feeling that you're special, right? Like, yeah, I'm skilled. I'm an artist. You know, my voice is important. My skills are good. You got to hang on to that. But they realize there's a difference between fine art and, and, you know, commercial art. Yeah. You've got to work your ass off on both of them. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's a different mindset, you know, with fine art, you're trying to, you're trying to show something unique and some, something that's your voice, find out what is, what's your perspective, capture it, do something relevant, something, in, in, you know, yeah, something that's, and it's completely from you. Right. Mm-hmm. And commercial arts, not that, you know, you are like a tradesperson, basically. Yeah. Um, so yeah, be be prepared either way to work your butt off, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and and then then there's the business skills, like you know, being persistent and, yeah. and not giving up. Like if if you want to be an animator, work on your reel, work on your 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 portfolio and apply. And if you if they don't call you back, if they don't if you don't get it, don't don't give up. Uh if, if it's what you really want, you know, if you like because they're not, it's not like it's, it's not like you're stepping up before, you know, some judge who then looks at you and goes, no, you're not good enough, get out. You know, it's like, it's a process, right? So you can go, any feedback you can get is great and listen mm-hmm. to it and then come back and improve. If they're like, I don't know, your animation, it just doesn't have any weight to it, you know, mm-hmm. then figure that out you know there's, yeah. we're in the information age right so look up weight timing you know look up there's tons of videos and resources mm-hmm. figure out how to make it better and then do another piece you know do another little 10 second piece on your own mm-hmm. add it to your portfolio and then come back like the people that hire for these studios they're always looking for new talent mm-hmm. um if they can work with you they'll they will you know um, yeah. and, and every studio is different. They're going to have their own sort of levels of their own ways of training people and bringing people in. So, yeah. um, I think, yeah, be positive. Uh, and when someone says no, try and get a bit more information than a no. Right. Like, mm-hmm. like, okay, here you, thank you so much for your time. Um, but what can I work on? Cause I really want to, I really want to do this. And yeah. There's no guarantees, but I, th- I think mostly people do want to they want to help people out. Um, and and I know animation, like it's it's nuts right now. Like everyone's busy, everyone's hired, mm-hmm. so there's a lot of empty, there's a lot of vacancies. So mm-hmm. I think now's now's a good time to even if you don't necessarily have much skills, you can at least even find out well what do you what do I need to learn? You know, right. and there's a lot of jobs in 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 the in the, the industry too. Like you, if you don't know animation, there's still designers, you know, there's still people that just do painters, you know, there's, <clears throat> there's, if you just, if you're just artistic, there's, there's lots of, uh, there's lots of ways in. Mm-hmm. So it's all, yeah, just figure it out. Be persistent. I think that's key. And, um, yeah, and ask for help and hopefully, mm-hmm. People will, uh, I think people, I find creative people in, in the industries are, are, are pretty generous with, with, uh, their knowledge and they, they want to, they want to help each other out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As long as it's a matter of ask. 
yeah, yeah. If you don't ask, then you know, they don't, they don't, they don't know you're there. Yeah, so. yeah, exactly, exactly. So, how can people uh, find you online? Um, good question. How can you find me online? Um, well, let me think about that. <laughs> I'm on. Well, I'm on. I'm on Instagram. That's how I found you, actually. Yes. Um, that our pays me logo. It just really every time it came up, I'm like, "What is that? <laughs> What's he saying? Who's this?" Uh, and then I did a bit of digging and found you. So on there, I'm I'm Rootwood. That's mm-hmm. kind of my my handle on on uh, Instagram. But I'll just give out my email. Who cares? Yeah. So you can email me. Yeah. Uh, at jason.dylan.edwards at gmail.com. Cool. That's my personal email. So my work one is, is different. But um, yeah, and I, yeah, if you have any questions about animation or need some advice, I'm totally down with that. I um, try and make time for people when they do kind of, when they, when they send in like a script or an idea. It's funny, uh, just with the internet, you know, being the way it is, and people they get a bit of information about, you know, directors and films getting made, and and there's a lot of opinions about, you know, what what how how things how the decisions get made to make what what gets made and what doesn't get made, you know, like mm-hmm. oh I can't believe they canceled this show, it's because of this and because of that, and, and having been on enough of these meetings now and trying to figure it out. It's so complex. Like there's so much that goes into why a show gets canceled or not, or why it gets made or not. Mm. You know, like if they adapt your favorite book and they're like, ah, they screwed it up. You know, there's so many, there's so many decisions behind why they do that. And it's, 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 um, and it's hard to explain that to people without sounding like you're talking down to them. You know, it's just, there's so much, inf- like it took me years to figure this out, you know, from mm-hmm. working in it that, you know, there's no, there's no job on, you know, the movie set of the person who just says what, what every, what color everything should be, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like there's, it, it's this whole machine and it's basically, you know, because these things, they cost so much, they have to, they have to make their money back. Mm-hmm. And, and there's, with art, there's no guarantees, right? People are mm-hmm. going to like it or they're not. You don't know until they, until it's done. Yeah. But so they're all trying to hedge their bets. You know, like we're going to spend a hundred million dollars making this. Well, our data says you know people like you know the color green and they like our main character to be like this and like that, and it ends mm-hmm. up sort of those decisions all end up you know sometimes not making sense yeah. <laughs> to the audience. They're like, ah, oh, yeah. they screwed that up. Uh, I don't know how I got to talk about that, but whatever. My brain yeah. goes off. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's cool, but it's a it's a interesting point. It's just like, um, you know, I, 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 on my end, from a graphic designer, a mm. lot of times when I see design firms and agencies get blasted for a crappy visual identity that mm. comes out, I'm always like, I bit on the other side of that. <laughs> and sometimes I've you just get to a point and you realize uh, it, the client is going, they, they have a specific vision in mind. Yeah. They've got this stakeholder that they're trying to appease and that person that's asking for this. And that, yeah. and you end up putting something out that you don't necessarily think is, is the best thing, but like it's a client, it's a client. 
you got paid so. <laughs> yeah yeah at the end of the day it's got to get out i'm, I'm not going to do prima donna thing and say i'm walking yeah. away from this you know yeah well um, you just have to make sure you at least have your say You're like look it's your yeah. money it's your thing as a designer i think it should be like this and yeah. you're free to but it, ultimately it's your decision so yeah, and sometimes it just doesn't plan out. They just they say that's fine. Thank you for your input, but this is what we want. And then, All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, then sometimes they're right. That's sometimes that's the thing. Right. Well, that's <laughs> the other like, thing. That stupid thing. It works. Okay. Yeah. Well. All right. I definitely <laughs> had that happen where I was like adamant that something was the wrong approach. And the client pushed for it and they were right at the end of the day. And so that yeah. always makes me pause a little bit. And yeah. I resist. Maintain some humility. Yeah. Yep. Well, yeah. Dylan, thank you very yeah. much for jumping on our page. Me. Yeah. Thank you. And I'll uh, keep an eye on, on, uh, on the, in, uh, on the Instagram feed. Just putting out good yes. stuff. Thank you. Thank you. If I can actually um, find time to, Make some new stuff. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you so much for listening to the Art Pays Me podcast. Thank you to Lange Beats for the theme music. If you got anything out of this show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever platform you're listening on. The more you do this, the more reach the podcast gets, and the more artists I can help learn to make a living at what they love. If you want to know more about what I do, Hit me up at rpaysme.com or at rpaysme on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and Pinterest. See y'all next time.